Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. And we are now pleased to go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. And we welcome on Joe Bartle of RotoWire, our second week speaking with Joe. About to be the first week of NFL action. Joe, very exciting times. How are you this afternoon? I'm, I'm doing great. We're less than a day out now, right? Or I guess a little bit more, like 26 hours until real NFL football. It's exciting. Absolutely. times. Absolutely, and now most people should have had a draft unless you were absolutely putting it on to, off to the last second and drafting tonight. I know some of my buddies drafted earlier this week, including some people in this room. Yeah. Uh, they got a rude surprise after practice earlier this week with Travis Kelsey, Joe. Uh, I, I would think that Kelsey might miss this week one, but if you're a fancy owner of Travis Kelsey, uh, how nervous are you that this might uh, span a, a little longer period of time? Isn't this what the uh, wait to draft until after uh, preseason nerds always tell us? Right. This exact thing is uh, not supposed to happen, and that's why you guys are dumb for drafting this uh, drafting early. No, it's, injuries can happen at any point. I would be very concerned, uh, and it really stinks. I've seen a, a number of builds that have Travis Kelsey, Cooper Cup, and Jonathan Taylor, and that uh, trio of guys is probably like the least you want to roster entering a season right now, and it's entirely possible you can have all three. I would anticipate he doesn't play Thursday. Um, given the information that we know right now, I would assume it's going to be more than just a week-long injury as well. Like If you're looking at the Chiefs and trying to repeat again uh, and continue your dynasty, you really don't want to risk the most vital part of your passing offense. Uh, and I would anticipate that Kelsey's going to miss, if not, if not two weeks, even longer than that. And so with the injury to Travis Kelsey, and obviously, we know he's a he's a he gets a lot of targets from Mahomes. Where do you think that, um, in terms of fantasy value, who do you think you can look for now that might be able to pick up some of Kelsey's slack? Yeah, I'm going to be really interested to see what that answer is come tomorrow because I'm not quite sure. I know I don't think it's Noah Gray. I don't think it's an easy one for one replacement. Go ahead and uh, pick him up off free agency. I don't think it works that way uh, in this Chiefs offense. I don't know if Kadarius Tony plays. I'm not sure he's the guy that gets the bulk workload anyway uh and i was surprised that there were reports yesterday about justin watson uh playing more than justin ross and rasheed rice who would have been my my next guess in terms of guys over the middle so uh, it's going to be a collective effort i'm not sure there's maybe that, that you would say hey this guy you pick up now that kelsey's out it might just be that mahomes is a little less valuable but I go back to the fact that the Lions secondary really wasn't all that good last year. I know they made some improvements during the offseason, uh, but this should be a, a good matchup, and it'll be a shame if uh, a top-tier Mahomes game is wasted because his top assets could be out, and this might be something that people who draft Mahomes have to deal with for the next couple of weeks too because I, I don't know if there's just a obvious answer or fill-in uh, if and when Kelsey's eventually ruled out. Joe, when we look at some teams with dynamic receiving cores or at least dynamic duo receiving cores, I think of someone like Miami with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and, and just how, A, lightning quick that duo is, but, B, how they both seem to thrive at various times last year. Are you confident that both those guys will be able to kind of reach their max outcome in terms of production this year? Oh, yeah. I think all three and the other one, uh, well, the other one of that group is Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And I would include uh, Mike Evans and Chris Goblin on the equation. I think all three of those uh, duos are, are really, really strong receivers. And situationally, obviously, the Buccaneers one looks a lot worse. But, yeah, I have no issues. Um, provide Jalen Waddell's healthy, right? That's, that's kind of the issue that we are 
entering uh, week one with was whether or not Waddle will be ready to go. It sounds like he will. I'm not too concerned about it, but uh, it's more is Tua going to stay healthy. And my reservation last year was I didn't think Tua's arm strength or lack thereof would be able to cater to Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. Well, that was completely wrong. They absolutely were able to uh, take advantage of that. So that concern was the only concern, and that's gone now. So I'm I'm confident. Uh, I've been drafting Jalen Waddle. I think I have. I, I did the final tally of my 15 leagues. I have Waddle in four of them, uh, and I you know a few are dynasty related, but I was specifically targeting Waddle in a few of those scenarios. And I have a few shares of Tyree Kill when I was drafting at the six seven spot, and uh, I felt very confident about him too. So there's no issues for me on really any of those dynamic duos, especially the Dolphins. Joe, do you see any rookie wide receivers having a high immediate impact this season? Yeah, my top one has been Jordan Addison, and actually for a long time that was my guy. Like, who who are you riding or dying with this year? Who who am I recommending? It was always the Jordan Addison answer. And then I looked at my roster, and I only had him on three of my 15 teams. I'm like, wait a minute, I love Jordan Addison this year. I made a mistake, and a lot of the times you're either drafting a, a quarterback around that spot or a tight end around that spot, and I just never – reached high enough on Jordan Asa, but he is like far and away, I think, my top rookie receiver. Jackson Smith, Jigba, uh, looks like he might be actually able to play week one against the Rams. I'm, I'm pretty convinced so long as Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are healthy, that's not going to matter too much. Uh, Zay Flowers, you know, lightning quick. I need to see what that Ravens offense looks like. And they have a lot of guys that, uh, especially early on, I think Zay Flowers is going to take some time to get used to and uh, assimilate into the offense. So, no, to me, it's Jordan Addison who clearly walks right into the Adam Thielen role. I don't care much about K.J. Asbun at all, and I think uh, if the Vikings are intent on actually being efficient offensively, which they should because their defense stinks, they need to have Jordan Addison. He was a guy that I would be very comfortable drafting the sixth round and operating as my wide receiver three or two even. Talking to Joe Bartle of RotoWire today on Sports Call. Joe, I've got a t- another tight end question for you, which I did not expect to have, but uh, with New York and with Darren Waller, I-, I looked at tight ends available when my buddy was doing a draft the other night, and I found like it felt like a little bit of a changing the guard or some of the relevant tight ends, but one of the older guys still out there is Darren Waller. I know a lot of injuries in Vegas. He goes to a New York team, though, that doesn't necessarily have – a huge go-to weapon, or at least not not the same type of guys we just talked about, like in Miami, Cincinnati, etc. What what is Darren Waller's upside in New York? Yeah, I would imagine that's probably most people's favorite riser uh, throughout the draft process. And you know, we, we the experts you know, are looking at this ADP from February onward. But I think people, when they're really starting to pay attention, it's mid-May, end of May into June and July. And I think Darren Waller's ADP at that point to what it is now, which is pretty comfortably in the fifth round, has been almost a two- or three-round rise. And he has been now uh, past Mark Andrews. I mean, I've seen Darren Waller taken as tight end three. And I would be certain if people really want to uh, make use of some social media poll, they would take Darren Waller before Mark Andrews. That's the level of hysteria that I'm getting. I'm not there yet. Um, I know that Darren Waller a couple of years ago was great. Um, and we have since had issues with his contract. He was quite healthy. I'm not convinced Daniel Jones is that good. I, I really do believe in Brian Dable, the coach for the Giants, and taking advantage of the talent that he has. But it doesn't. It, we had four years of Daniel Jones thinking, and just one year of a good coach completely changes it. I'm not convinced that's going to be the case. And I actually think defenses now have a lot of tape out on Daniel Jones, and are going to make him play sidelines. You know, like throwing deep pass on the sideline, take away the middle of the field, take away his rushing options. I know it sounds simple, and it's going to be simpler than it actually is, 
but I think Darren Waller actually is one of those biggest trap guys, and uh, given his current ADP, no one is on board with that, but I'm, I'm very, very hesitant to say he is going to be a top tight end. Out west with one of the one I would say the biggest disappointment last year, at least offensively, Russell Wilson in Denver. Uh, is Sean Payton going to turn that around for Denver? Is is Russell Wilson too far gone, or do you believe Payton will get something out of him this year? Yeah, I'm not convinced Sean Payton is that good of a coach either. So this is going to be a really interesting uh, narrative push. Is Russ done, or is Sean Payton not that good? The answer just might be both. From a fantasy perspective, it doesn't really matter. Russell Wilson's being drafted outside the top 15 quarterbacks, and you look at Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins and even Anthony Richardson, who are on that fringe of starting QB1s in 12-team leagues, they're, they're going to produce to a point where I would rather have them consistently in my lineup. Even if Russell Wilson does get better, I don't think he runs as much as we saw during the peak years with the Seahawks, which is a lot of where his fantasy value kind of rested. So to me, the question isn't, is Russell Wilson going to do good, but is it going to be getting the guys like Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, even Marvin Mims involved. And I do think uh, Russell Wilson's going to be a good enough quarterback this season to make at least one of those guys viable. Now, Judy might not play week one, although uh, his practice report, I think he was a limited participant in practice, which is great. I'm still not anticipating he plays, but if he's trending closer than you know missing the first four games, which is kind of what I was thinking, that's awesome news uh, for Jerry Judy people and who rostered him. I think Cortland Sutton is, is not that bad. I understand that he does not look the same after the knee injury he had two years ago, but he's still a top-tier. Uh, he's a wide receiver one on, on I think, uh, the Broncos roster here. And Marvin Mims, um, we talked about rookie receivers. I love Jordan Addison. I think I probably forgot to include Mims in that equation, especially if Judy does miss time. I don't believe he's good enough to push out Judy or Sutton, but if there's a situation where Mims is playing and starting 12 games this year, he might be another one of those rookie receivers that's pretty easily a wide receiver three in fantasy. Joe, talk about the Detroit Lions offense. Do you think that they'll be as dynamic as they were last season? Do you think Jared Goff um, will be able to play at the level that he played last season? Do you think the addition of Jameer Gibbs will help that offense? How, how do you see the Lions playing out? Yeah, I'm not convinced uh, in the hype around the Lions. You know, Vegas favorites. To win the NFC North, I'm a Packers fan, so you could you could take some bias with that. Uh, and and again, I I don't know what the Packers are going to do this season. I'm pretty uh, concerned about Jordan Love, especially with both Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs missing practice Wednesday. But the Lions' offense, I was very very reliant on their home and away splits with Jared Goff in the dome. They're doing a whole lot better uh, in cold weather situations. He's historically been really bad. I I'm not convinced. Uh, even though I love Ben Johnson, their offense coordinator, and he should be. Then the next guy that gets one of those uh, 15 different offers as the head coach, like that's how good he is as a schematic play caller. Um, I'm I'm convinced that he's going to be kind of weighed down by the albatross that is Jared Goff and what he's able to do. So he's going right now around quarterback 18. That's probably fine. I mean, he produced at those numbers last year. And even if I think he goes a little bit less than that, you're saying uh, more or less that I'm Ross St. Brown will be fine. I love Sam Laporta. I have him in uh, seven of my 15 leagues. Jameer Gibbs, from a pass-catching perspective, should still be a relevant option, too. So there's guys involved. But Jared Goff, uh, I, I'm just concerned, can't play better than what he did last, uh, last year. There's no level above for Jared Goff, and that makes me hesitant to be really invested overall in the Lions offense. All right, Joe, we'll finish with this. And I know it's a little bit tougher week one because we don't know a lot about these teams. We're going off of presumptions, but that's why we asked the expert. So, Joe, 
give us a team based or give us a player, excuse me, based off his matchup that you like to have a better than average performance, and give us a player based off the matchup that you think might be a, a bench this week that have, might have a, a bad performance. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go with the Jacksonville squad overall. I know they play Indianapolis this week, and whether it be Etienne or Calvin Ridley uh, and Christian Kirk, Trevor Lawrence, all four of those guys, I feel really confident next year are going to be performing at a level in which that you think uh, is going to be a level above their fantasy performance, too. So I'm all in on Jacksonville's offense this year and certainly this week. I'm a little concerned about the 49ers. Uh, we're going to see Brock Purdy, in. you would assume he's going to get better each and every week. But this is going to be the first week with that Tommy John injury playing against real NFL defenses. It has me, it has me concerned uh, about what the 49ers offense can do. Well, Joe, we certainly appreciate the time today. How can our listeners find your work, and uh, what all do you have going on at RotoWire right now? Yeah, you can follow me on JB Fantasy Sports on Twitter. Uh, I, I have a lot of different uh, audio things going out there. Every Tuesday, we have our RotoWire podcast. You can listen to the WaveAware part of it um, anywhere you listen to your podcast, RotoWire Fantasy Sports. Every Friday, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, I'll be doing uh, Sirius XM as well on Channel 87. And now, new starting tomorrow. I'm going to be doing the over-under on every single NFL game, picking the spreads uh, and how I, I see everything going on. That will be on Twitter, but also on RotoWire's NFL section. So lots of different places and platforms uh, to view my content. Excellent. Well, Joe, as always, we greatly appreciate the time. We're very excited that football's back, and we're excited to talk about it all with you. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you again next week. I can't wait. Let's go. Football. Tomorrow. Absolutely. That's Joe Bartle of RotoWire joining us today on Sports Call.